0: Today is December the 17th, and our text for today is the book of 1 John, chapter 1. John was the writer of 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John and the Revelation. We know that because he wrote the Gospel of John. The scripture doesn't say that John, the disciple of Jesus, wrote the Gospel of John and the others, but we know that he did. He is the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's the way he referred to himself in the Gospel of John. 1 John is written with the same Greek, same style, same vocabulary that John, the writer of the Gospel, wrote. And as we read that, it becomes increasingly clear that indeed it was John, the beloved disciple, who wrote this letter. Now, the early church fathers, Irenaeus and Polycarp, also gave witness to this, and they lived close to the time of John, especially Polycarp. And so you can read about all of the different theories who wrote this, but you're going to come back to the reality that John, the beloved disciple, wrote the Gospel of John. He was writing against docetism, docetism, some would say, and that comes from the word uh, in Greek, docaine, which means to seem, S E E M. Docetism says that. Jesus really was not what he seemed to be. He seemed to be a man, but he was not really that at all. It's very close to Sorrentianism. Sorrentus was a man who taught that Jesus, the spiritual Jesus, came upon the man Jesus at his baptism and left him at the cross. In other words, it is very much the heresy that is still going around today, that Jesus, the God-man, was not really the God-man at all. He wasn't born the God-man. He didn't die the God-man, and that's the opposite of what the Scriptures teach. Now, from the very beginning, I have taught you in the 365 Bible reading plan that the Word of God, not what men say, is the final authority, whether that man is someone in his History or someone today, including myself, the word of God is the final authority. The words of Scripture are inerrant, they are infallible, they will never lead us astray. And what the apostles wrote. What the prophets wrote, what Moses wrote, all of these things, both the Tanakh and the Berit Hadashah, the New Testament, the Old Testament, is from beginning to the end, the words of God. And so we're going to assume that. That's right. And i tell you right up front what my bias is. I believe the Bible is the word of God, the very words of God from cover to cover. The Bible doesn't just contain The words of God. It is the very words of God's revelation to us today. So with all of that behind, John is writing against heresies. Some would say Gnosticism. If it was, it was an incipient form, an early form, but it later developed. So all to say what John says is good for any age, it's good for us today. Now let's get right in the text. Now why would we say that he's writing against these particular heresies? Because of what he addresses from beginning to end in these five chapters that we call 1 John. Let's get right into it. Verse 1, that which we have from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life, that is, this life he's talking about, This person was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you eternal life, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which also we have seen and heard, we declare unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, And these things we write to you that your joy may be full or complete. Now, that's all we're going to have time for in this podcast. I want to go back and talk to you about the sensory perception and the words that John uses here. It's fascinating. No other place in Scripture is there such an emphasis on the reality of the flesh of Jesus, that he was a real Person. He wasn't a phantom. He wasn't an apparition. He wasn't a ghost. He didn't come upon and then leave. He is indeed who he said he was. And John says, that which we have from the beginning, from the very outset, which we have heard. Now, the word heard and the word see are in the perfect tense. That means that at a point in time, they heard this and it is still ringing in their ears. In other words, There are still abiding results. That's what the perfect tense says. The present tense says something is happening at the present time. It is continuously happening or it's happening on an iterative basis. That is dot, 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 dot over and over again with no relation to the time in between the dots. But the idea is that it is continually or continuously in linear action happening That's present tense. Past tense is aorist in the Greek text. That means it was a point in time. Sometimes it refers to an entire event that encompasses a long period of time, the whole of something. But it has to do with the type of action, the kind of action. It's a snapshot. It's like a picture. There was a point in time when you snapped that picture. And so These things are the tenses of reality, the perfect tense, an event that happened somewhere in the past and still has abiding results. Many times the term resurrection and the event of the resurrection of Jesus is framed in this particular tense. That is at a point in time, in real time, Jesus rose from the dead. Karl Barth, you know, would argue that it would not matter. This was a German theologian that came up with the concept of what we call neo-orthodoxy, the new orthodoxy which is heresy, that it didn't matter whether Jesus rose from the dead. It didn't matter whether he bodily rose from the dead. The fact is that he rose from the dead. Okay? That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus was put into a grave, body, soul, and spirit, and he rose from the grave, body, soul, and spirit. It wasn't a spiritual resurrection, it was a bodily resurrection. The word Anastasia, where we get our word resurrect, means Anna. Again, Stasio comes from tithemi, which means to stand. He stands again. That's a bodily term, like it means to sleep. That is a bodily term, a physical term for death. And so John is saying, that which is from the beginning, which we have heard, we heard Akuo, we have heard that literally, physically, we heard it, and his voice is still ringing in our ears. We'd recognize his voice anywhere. We have seen, seen, we have seen that's the idea of physically seeing with our eyes it goes on to use a physical term a body part the Ophthalmois, with our eyes, where we get our word optometrist and so forth. Ophthalmology. That's the word here. With our eyes, we have seen, we have looked upon the word, which is the word, which is the base word that they for theater. We stared at him. We gazed at him. We looked at him. We couldn't take our eyes off of him because he was different than anyone we had ever looked upon. Our hands, our hands handled him, that at a point in time, Eris, we touched him. We handled him. We, as a way of life, we touched him. We, we hugged him. We kissed him. We had fellowship with a real person. And it says, We did this, and he was the word of life. He was the very word himself that John talked about in John chapter 1, verses 1 and verse 14, that became flesh, and he dwelled among us. He tabernacled among us for a while. And until his death, burial, and resurrection, he was with us. His ascension took him away from us. And he said, we declare unto you, fascinating, We declare unto you. We proclaim. These are in the present tense. That means we saw it. We witnessed it. His voice is still ringing in our ears. His remembrance of his seeing him, of touching him, all of that, we did it at a point in time. And the seeing and hearing, it is still in our mind. It is still in our ears. We saw him and we have the memory of that. Now we did at a point in time, touch him physically, but what we're doing because of that, which happened at a point in time. And because we still have its results with us, we are continually proclaiming the good message, the good news, that Jesus has really come to earth. He has lived a sinless life. He has died as a substitute for our sins. He has risen from the dead. He is coming again. And we are proclaiming that on a continual basis. We're sharing the good news. We are witnesses. That's the word. We are continually bearing witness that He is alive, that we saw Him, that He was real. (laughs) This is pretty good, isn't it? And we we declare unto you, there again is this concept of continual action, eternal life. This sounds like John in John chapter 3. And He was with the Father, and He was manifested to us. Now, think about that. He's saying He was with the Father, but now... At a point in time, he was brought to us. He was born at a point in time. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those of us who are under the law. And he said, we've seen him. We have heard him. He repeats it again. And now I want you to understand that we declare that you as well, not just the apostles, not just the disciples, not just those of us who saw him in the flesh, but you all of us may have fellowship, neon, that is that we might know him. We might fellowship with him. We might eat with him. We might talk with him and walk with him. And he said, indeed, this fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. You see, he says that Jesus, when it says with his son, Jesus Christ, it's with the father, it's before the father and with Jesus who was before the father. He is the Messiah. He says, These things we write unto you so that you can learn about it and never be changed. No, 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 no. So that you might know him, know this for sure. We saw him, we bear witness of it. We touched him, we bear witness of that. We beheld him, we heard him. He is tangible. And now that he is no longer with us, we're bearing witness that you can have fellowship with him just as we have. And he will go on to say in this letter, why? Because the spirit of God lives within us. Who is the spirit of God that lives within us? The Apostle Paul said in the book of Colossians, Christ in you, Messiah in you, in you is your expectation of glory. You see, the Holy Spirit is Jesus in us. It is the manifestation of Jesus in us. We can have fellowship with Him. We can walk with Him. We can know Him. And John says, I want you to know this so that you will have chara, so that you will have joy. Don't you think during this Christmas season of the year that we should be joyful? Jesus has come. He has lived. He has lived. He was born as no man was ever born. He lived as no man ever lived. He died as no man ever died. He rose again that like no man has ever risen again. Yes, others were risen before him, but they died again. Jesus rose from the dead, never to die again, and He has ascended to His Father, and He's coming back for us. This is the joy of the early church. That's the joy of you. And in my own life, it is the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. May God strengthen you with His joy as you realize that Jesus is real. He's alive in our hearts. R-I-S-P dot org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.